This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio AM 640. Good evening, everyone. Happy Sunday. Thanks for tuning in tonight to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm your host, Laura Bellata of Single in the City. My co-host today is Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes. Welcome, Sandra. Welcome. Relationships have their fair share of ups and downs. We all know that. Uh, but if you are dealing with your own personal ups and downs because of mental health issues, this can make being in a relationship that much harder. It's estimated that one in five Canadians will experience a mental illness throughout their lifetime. And anxiety is, in fact, the most common mental illness in Canada. I didn't know that. Did you know that, Sandra? Yeah, it doesn't. Well, let's just say it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I think it's an important topic to discuss. So today I wanted to talk about mental health in relationships. I've invited Dr. Hakeem, a psychologist, not Hakeem like I wear. <laughs> Who sponsors my Inside Joke show, by the way. Uh, from the Center for Interpersonal Inside. Relationships. She has 10 plus years of experience in counseling clients through anxiety, depression, traumatic stress, and grief and loss. We are also joined by Phil to speak about his battle with anxiety and depression, uh, which he has been dealing with for most of his adult life. And we, we're going to find out how it has affected his relationship. So welcome, everybody, to the show. Yay. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So I want to start with you, Dr. Hakeem. What is considered a mental illness? So like, what are some of the signs that someone is suffering from a mental illness? A lot of times people don't necessarily realize that they might have a mental health issue um, because to some degree, everybody experiences anxiety, depression, or both over the course of their lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's something that we all have. And so when we're trying to understand, A, has it been going on too long? Or B, is it way more intense than it needs to be given the situation? We start to try to understand whether or not it's actually something considered a mental illness or a mental health condition. Okay. So how do we know that it's circumstantial mm -hmm. or something that's brought on by some brought on by society which is circumstantial or a chemical imbalance because I go through that all the time like not all the yeah. time but there are days where I have a lot of anxiety I know but and but I know that there's something going on in my life or there's days or maybe a couple of weeks where I'm down and then I'm like okay I can pull myself out of this but then there are people that are just like no I can't pull myself yeah. out of this like yeah. this is a mental illness I need medication so mm -hmm. how can we distinguish between the two so what's important is um, this idea that if we accept that everybody experiences anxiety and depression or both at some point in their lives, then it's a matter of degree, okay? So intensity and duration, how long? So the big piece is, is that I would say about 90% of my practice are people experiencing either anxiety or depression or both. And within there, for some people, um, it comes around because it's the main presenting issue. Okay, so we have diagnoses like generalized anxiety disorder, persistent depressive disorder, where people have been experiencing this their whole lives. Often they'll say, as long as I can remember. So on and off? Usually in waves. Okay. In waves over time with both depression and anxiety based on life stressors or things like that. So the bottom line is for individuals like that who've been dealing with it their whole lives, usually it is in some point in the body. The body kind of takes over and gets used to responding to certain situations in certain ways. And then sometimes the body also takes over. So there's cortisol responses and huge floods in the body of things that, that um, 
that actually sometimes then medication is appropriate and needed. For other people, it's about situations. So a situation comes up in your life. It could be a health condition, a relationship ending, That's a me. job transition. <laughs> and it's normal to have a certain amount of anxiety or depression okay. in response to something like that. Mm-hmm. If anything, I'd be worried if you didn't, if you weren't stressed after a mm-hmm. major health. Yeah, because I think it's quite normal. Of course. You know, if I, like, I, February, my book launch, I had I couldn't sleep for like two weeks. I had so much anxiety. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I thought I was going to die, like literally like, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm panic, dying. And yeah, my wife would be like, you're not sure. dying. I'm like, I'm dying. No, I am. This is the end. <laughs> and so I as a psychologist, imagine. like I would be concerned if you weren't experiencing that. So there's a normal degree, but then it becomes about how long is it going on? Okay. How much is it derailing you in your life? Do you stop functioning? And then it becomes something that's a, a longer standing issue. And then the last one is, is that sometimes depression and anxiety come kind of comorbid or at the same time as another diagnosable condition, whether it's an eating disorder, substance use, sexual issues, mm-hmm. some, something else is really bothering the person and, and is longstanding and we have to treat both that and the mood or anxiety. Very interesting. Phil, tell us your story. When did you realize that you were facing a mental illness? Um, for me, I think it took me a long time to realize that hey, I might be going through something because I remember because I moved here um, from the Bahamas in 2006 right after high school. So after I moved, I mean, during high school and everything, I, f- I feel like I was OK. I feel like I was fine. But after my first really harsh winter year and first semester in university, that I don't think it ever was the same in terms of my mental health after that. So it's been it's been a while. That's interesting. I just want to ask doctor a question because you're nodding your head right sure. away. Is it a seasonal thing because he had all that sun? And I'm not joking because oh, yeah. that's obviously a big factor. And someone going from that climate to this climate. It's a huge factor. It's a huge factor in terms of um, immigration and, and migration um, around like different climate and especially yeah. light. I want to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. Stick with us. We're talking about mental health in relationships. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio AM 640. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640. I'm Laura Bellata. My co host today is Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes. Hello. We have Dr. Hakeem, a psychologist, here with us today. And Phil, he's uh, here to talk about his battle with mental illness. And we're talking about mental health and relationships. Before the break, we, uh, Dr. Hakeem brought up uh, something interesting, or maybe Sandra did, but it was seasonal depression. Yeah, I was just speculating that Phil coming from uh, Bahamas yeah, uh, and moving here, and you went through your first winter, you said, and I just picked up on something that I'd heard through another friend and wanted to ask Dr. Hakeem, um, that maybe the climate change for him, the lack of sunlight we have here, you know, a lot of people here have seasonal uh, disorder. I think we all do. And we and, and yeah. we realize it more and more as we get older. Because I didn't, when I was younger, I there was no seasonal anything. But then as I get older mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the nights start to get darker and yeah. there's no Phil, sun, th- it gets depressing. And Phil, it's colder. Do you, think, do you think there's truth to that at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely. I mean, because like I said, before moving, I think for the most part, I was fine. I don't think I went through anything to the extent that 
you know, I went through after moving. But uh, I think too, you missed your family because we spoke about this, right? Your family's all back home, yeah, aren't they? Everybody, well, that's another, like, well, that's, that's another, another yeah, trigger. Sure. But just back yeah. to the weather thing quickly. There, It's factual. Absolutely. There's a lot of research behind seasonal affective disorder. And what can we do about it? Well, if so how can we prep ourselves? Because winter's coming and it's getting cold. How can we prep ourselves? For sure. I mean, there's something that's even been called Blue Monday out there, right? It's like that saddest day of the year that happens in January. I mean, there's not a lot of statistics behind it, but it's trying to capture the fact that people have to take extra care of themselves when you're battling against either like cold, a lack of light, all those sorts of things. You actually have to take extra care of yourself and expect less from yourself during those times. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people to accept. So is, is there anything that we can do like that you can think of um and so a lot of people now are um are there's those lights the um sort of um mm-hmm. sads lights mm-hmm. a lot of people use those lamps at home and find them actually or, really, or really suntan beds do you yeah. have suntan beds those um, are cough. Oh, potentially, just there's other things that come with the suntan beds. I, I don't know from a like a, UV. Yeah, a wrinkle, medical yeah, condition. Yeah, r- r- unnecessary wrinkles. <laughs> well, yeah, and those sad lights though have gotten very, very specific at sort of being able to give you some light during. Did those you times. use them, Phil? Yeah, I actually have one at home, and I use it especially in the winter. Mm-hmm. Kind of great. Does it work for sure? I, I think it works for sure. Well, in combination, it, it helps. Do you take vitamin D as well? Absolutely. I'm not a doctor, but yeah, doc, yeah. I would say vitamin D oh, would be sure. very important. For I take sure. it myself every day, even in the winter, in the summer. I do because yeah. I don't get enough sun. Mm. Yeah. And all of us in this climate, we just don't. And, and vitamin D is big for moods. And Laura, I know, is getting <laughs> a niche, but I gotta say, <laughs> I'm not all this, all this is going back to dating. Like you could be on your first date with someone who's have like uh, having an off day because of the weather. Oh, yeah. Like I know people who severely are affected, and so little and things like this. And if you are, cancel the date, but just give <laughs> enough time. Well, there's that, or you as the person on the other date, like give someone a chance. You say this all the time, Laura, on dates. Like get past that first date. It could have been a lot of things going on, yeah. and it's good we're addressing mental. You never know what people are going through, right? Okay, yeah. so Dr. Hakeem, how does it affect relationships? In a lot of different ways. So I think that um, in our relationships, especially our closest, most intimate relationships, I think that's where sometimes we'll let our guard down more. We'll express ourselves more. We'll, I often say to couples, I do a lot of couples therapy, and I say, you know, we save the best and the worst for our partners and or whoever we're dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll let our guards down more and we'll see increased levels of, say, conflict at home uh, if there are mental health issues that are not being addressed um, so we're couples. basically nice to everyone else, but then we're mean to the ones we love. Well, we come home and kind of fall apart. Mm-hmm. And um, and we are busy hold, using all of our energy to hold it together for the rest of the world out there. And there's also, I think, a lot of kind of expectations from a, a partner or even someone you're dating for extra levels of support from them that maybe you wouldn't ask for from friends or from other yeah. people. Um, and then so we'll also sort of see an increase in... in um, this experience that like my partner's not supporting me, they're not supportive of me, they're not emotionally responding to me. And oftentimes a partner doesn't really understand. They don't know how to support. They need to be educated on how to support and respond properly. And that goes both ways. The partner's got their own stresses too. Yeah. So what are some things to keep in mind when dating someone with mental illness? Um, I think it's to not make assumptions. You know, not to think that you know how the other person feels, because you really don't. Um, You have to sort of ask a lot of questions, stay tuned into the person's world, kind of keep it open and safe. 
um, for the other person to want to be able to say something back to you. And once you do that, you have to validate them. Um, and by validation, I mean it's it's that idea where you sort of say, I can see how you might feel like this and it makes sense that you might react this way even if I don't get it, even if I don't understand or I wouldn't do the same thing. I'm respecting and acknowledging that that's the way it is for you. So the bottom line is is to try to keep the conversations open and then that way you actually learn how to support the person. And Phil, how about you wanted to say something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree. On that point that um, Dr. Hakeem, Hakeem talked about, uh, it is not an easy concept to get. It is not un, It is not cut and dry. No two people will react the same way. No two people are going to behave the same way going through anxiety and depression. And so the one thing you want to do to be supportive is to try and be understanding and open-minded about it. Does that mean i got to tippy toe around the person? No, absolutely not. I don't think you have to be on your guard, on your toes all the time. Just be conscientious about, about you know, talking right. to them, things like that. We need to take a break. We're going to come right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. Stick with us. This is very interesting today. We're talking about mental health in relationships. to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio, AM 640. And we're back. Thanks for tuning in to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellata. We've got Dr. Hakeem here today. She's a psychologist. And Phil, he's here to talk about his battle with mental illness. We also have Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes. We're talking about mental health and relationships. So, Philip, this question is for you. So, when did you tell your partner that you had mental health issues and and how did you approach the yeah. subject great question yeah well I, th- I think for me early on um in my initial or early relationships i think i was still struggling with the fact that i did have some sort of mental illness or issue yeah. I, did I, she know there was something wrong like, uh, did, definitely did she, yeah. i think i think we both did so with my first initial relationships i still i didn't know you know i mean i didn't have a name i didn't have a term i didn't have depression or anxiety i didn't know what these things were so um, I think we both, like I said, we both kind of figured out something was going on. And, and my first, rela- my first serious relationship after I moved here kind of pushed me towards um, taking extra steps to learn more about mental health and my mental health for this because I was the one with the mental illness in the, this particular relationship. Okay, and and Dr. Hakeem, can you explain what the major symptoms of anxiety are? Yes. Um, so there's there's a lot of different forms of anxiety, um, but they have generally a few key types of symptoms or signs. Uh, so there's the bodily symptoms, right? There's the, the cortisol rush that happens in the body and our, our response to threat. So things like sweating, your heart racing to the point where people thinking are they're going to die, a, or that's what happens to, the to me because they they actually think they're having a heart attack. Yeah, I I I. I've been like, can someone please take me to the hospital? Yeah, and they're like, no, we're way. not taking totally. you there because you're not dying. You're going to be okay. Way. Just breathe, right? Yeah, until yeah. our friend Lorazepam comes along. I don't have sure. any of those. Sure. Can I have some? Our no. little friend. <laughs> and I mean, because there's concentration problems, so your mind goes blank sometimes. You feel like you're freezing. Um, so so the there's restlessness, irritability, fatigue. So people are exhausted often if you experience anxiety or depression Absolutely. for a long time. It really like takes a, a toll on the body. There's also ways of thinking or cognitive symptoms that we know exist. So it's like uncontrollable and repeated worrying thoughts. 
uh, negative predictions about the future, so assuming mm-hmm. everything's going to go terribly, uh, feeling alone, no one gets it, no one's around to help me. Um, and so behaviorally, people will isolate, they'll avoid situations. And then the last kind of key area of symptoms are around emotions. So it's a sense of feeling out of control, consumed by fears, frustrations, like a sense of doom or yeah. overwhelmed and all of that combined and is, is all that exhausting in, that does that fall under the depression umbrella as well um depression is a bit different because it's not necessarily that same huge flood of response to threat depression is usually more about loss um so whereas we think of anxiety around kind of control and a sense of lack of control we think around de- about depression in terms of loss and this idea of the body kind of shutting down um, and whereas with anxiety, we're amped up. And what other mental illnesses are there? Um, I mean, we like have... Like with obsessive compulsive disorder, would that be a yeah. mental illness? Yeah, it's actually a form of anxiety. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually been separated out now in, in um, our, our newer manual, but um, there's a number of different kinds of um, mental health can, issues. Can I ask, does, it, does something like OCD manifest itself as a result of anxiety? It's in in the past. It's been considered a, like a form of anxiety. It's mm-hmm. attempts to control anxiety. But I think that's something you're it. born with OCD. There's differences with OCD as in kind of an anxiety or stress response versus OCPD, which is a personality style. They're actually two different diagnoses and two different kinds of mental health issues. And some people are born with like a personality style that's obsessive and compulsive Mm -hmm. and and perfectionistic Mm -hmm. and where they're kind of avoiding or isolating out emotions and trying Mm -hmm. to take control of things. It's a bit different than actually like... um, checking and behavioral responses to things and hoarding or, or some of the other aspects mm. we'll see in like more anxiety based. I, I just want to touch on that that point you said about depression and, and loss because I think that there's this point in my life that I do remember very clearly um, right before I started actually taking my mental health seriously. This is, It was right before the winter about five years ago, October, November. I had just gone through probably to date the worst breakup of my life because I had lost my relationship, I had lost a support system. Now here I am alone with all my family country in a different song. country. Exactly. Country yeah. song. Yeah. And I was just, hey, I need to do something about this. I closed up, didn't want to see anybody. All I wanted to do was sleep. And I was like, hey, something is going on with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And with yeah. depression, it's that isolation. It's that sense of shutting down and retreating from the world. Um, that's incredibly tough to get out of when it spirals in there. So do you suggest when someone gets depressed that they turn to, to pills to, to make themselves feel better? Um, it depends. So, you know, kind of like what Phil was saying earlier, it's about uh, understanding what depression's like for that person and then developing a treatment plan based on that. So that could be therapy. Like the research says that therapy and medication together combined are the best, um, mm-hmm. is the best for depression. And then once you're taking the medication, you can try to wean yourself off of it eventually. You got it. And then yeah. if you can keep going with the therapy to help with strategies or understanding mm-hmm. patterns or changing your relationships and how you're behaving in those as well, then then we actually maintain the gains of the medication as opposed to slipping back into a depressive mood after. I really love this show. I think we're helping yes, a lot of people. I think so too. So Dr. Hakeem, how do you suggest that someone suffering from a mental illness approach their partner with this news? It's a tough one. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I work with individuals who are dating and asking me, you know, is it on the second date or the third date that I tell the person? Oh, no. 
Right? I don't think Laura so. Laura and I talked about this. I know, but this question comes up to mm-hmm. me all the time. Okay, but, but I really feel that if you are like in a place where you're, you don't have a handle of your, you know, of yourself and you're not feeling great, I don't think you should be dating. Like really? No, but it's a lifelong. No, because you, you can't expect someone else to to save you. Because I think that like even though it's a lifelong thing, I think that you have to get to a place where you can manage it. No, what if they're managing it and they want to date? They, That's why fine. they have no life? Okay, but then then it's not currently a big issue. I okay. mean, we all go through mental health and and at some point we should talk issues. about this. After okay, the we'll break. be right we'll back. We need to take a break. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM six forty. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio AM 640. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640. I'm Laura Bellata. Santa Cruz, he's my uh, co host. We have Dr. Hakeem, a psychologist, here with us today. Phil, he's here to talk about his battle with mental illness and relationships. And we're talking about mental health in relationships and we are uh yeah having a really good conversation here before the break sandra was discussing uh (laughs) when to tell someone that you have a mental illness if you are dating well yeah i was you and i had been talking about this like if you but cancer is different than mental illness no i know we were just talking about in general because you're i think your belief is that i don't that nobody should be dating unless they're absolutely perfect. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever dating. I just dumped that yeah, nobody is perfect. Life, no, yeah. that's not true. I think if you have a really good handle on your mental situation, illness yeah. and situation, then it's something that you don't need to discuss right away. But as you get closer to the person, things start getting more serious. Then that's when it's a good time to bring it up and say, hey, you know, like every once in a while I get down or whatever and I'm on, you know, I have to take this medication or I don't because I don't think it's a huge deal if you can manage it because you know what one in five Canadians yeah. have it so the chances think, of you meeting someone that has some right. sort of mental illness right. uh, is is pretty big I think the number is uh, so, higher than one in five I think but, so too but let's get Dr. Hakeem to address that like doctor you said it was a big question like at what point I know it's different from relationship to relationship but mm-hmm. at what point do you drop the bomb with someone that you just met and you're starting to like each other okay uh, when when should you tell someone? Um, let me just say this. We know that a secure attachment, okay, this idea that someone actually is there for you, that they're going to be there if you tell them something bad, they're going to they're going to support you. They may not always be there if they can't, but they're going to try. That's something that we need to build in relationships, and we know it actually reduces anxiety and depression. Okay. Thank you. It what? actually does. Well, a secure attachment. Yeah. This, so you're saying whole... don't tell them right away because they don't need to know. I'm saying that you have to wait until, yes, you decide that this is someone who you're actually you. really developing feelings for. And then the natural tests of the relationship mm-hmm. come out. And this is one of the natural yes. tests. So as long as you keep your eye on what kind of relationship you're building with the person, which is the bottom line here, then that's that's when you'll know when to tell them. But I think if the partner is not educated enough, that could be really hard. You got like it. Like if they've never been... But you can might, educate them. Yeah, the of course. The closer you get to them, of the, course. the stronger the bond, then you can educate them. Is there you have all the time in the world. Phil? Phil, what do you think? I definitely agree. I, I, I don't think there's there's a right time as so much as, as you, you got to do it. I don't... 
necessarily say you got to come right out and be like, hey, here's the smorgasbord of I, things yeah. I'm going through. But um, definitely, as as you as we you know get together and and get closer with people, and you, fi- I agree with Doctor Akeem that you know it's it's going to come out eventually. Like I'll give you a quick anecdote. My last um, one of my last relationships, um, my girlfriend was struggling with um, anxiety. And this must have been maybe three, four weeks in the relationship. She, we were out to dinner. She's like, hey, I got to tell you something. I go, oh, here we go. <laughs> and um, so I'm thinking it's something different. She goes, hey, I'm on this and this medication. I've been taking it for this long. Um, I have anxiety. And You're I go, like, oh, me too. And I, go, <laughs> I know exactly. I go, oh, Yay. sister, I got some news for you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, it was a great sharing experience. It was a great bonding experience. But I think, I mean. And did had, you go on a, to date her? Yeah, absolutely. For so, how long? I mean, we were together for two years. There you go. Yeah. See? Wow. Yeah. I remember this uh, this guy at a speed dating event back in the day. And he was going around telling everyone that he was bipolar, like, during the speed date. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> I pulled him aside. I'm like, you can't be telling women that you're yeah. bipolar while you're speed dating. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> like, in a, not in a bad way, but in a, like, <laughs> awareness way. It's like, come on. Well, yeah. Like, it's, it's a tough one, though, because it uh, when you come to kind of accept that this is what you're going through, yeah. it's a part of your identity, and yes. it's part of who I am, and am I supposed to be ashamed of that? But not speed dating. I got you for speed dating. Sure. That's, that's, I'd have, I'd have that's to agree a, there. a yeah, lot of information, too much Definitely. information, very fast. But I think that we do have to yeah. think about stigma, and I think we have to think about, you know, um, just letting people be able to own what they're going through without. Okay, so let's talk about treatment plans. What are some things available for people with anxiety and depression currently? Um, so in terms of medication, that's certainly something that's an option for people if they choose it. Um, other people opt to go to like a naturopath or see if they can make changes um, without you know pharmaceutical medications. Uh, in terms of therapy, there's a lot of different types of therapies out there that have research behind them. Some of them target like the symptoms and how you deal with your emotions, and then other ones target relationships um, and sort of the patterns of how you developed um, what it is you're going through. So there's lots of therapies. There's individual couples, family groups. We're taking a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to AM640, the dating and relationship show. Now back to the dating and relationship show with Laura Bellana from singleinthecity.ca. On Talk Radio, AM 640. And we are back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're talking about mental health and relationships, which I think, and I'm sure Sandra here thinks, is very, (laughs) very important. Mm -hmm. And Sandra is my co-host today. We have Dr. Hakeem, a psychologist. She's here. And Zafil, he's here to talk about his battle with mental illness. Thank you so much. Phil, Thank yeah, you for having me. and Dr. Hakeem, love Thank the show you. today. So, Phil, question for you: If you could give one piece of advice for people going through the same thing that you are going through or have been going through, what would that be? Mm, let's see, one piece of, or advice. you can give two, three. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I talk about this kind of stuff a lot um, on my blog. Um, I always kind of wrap up with whatever topic I'm writing about. I always do a little blurb at the end on how you can talk to somebody or if you're going through something, I mean, a piece of advice of what I would do. And my, my first thing is to just talk to somebody. 
that's that's number one. I mean, with these sorts of issues, mental illness, anxiety, it can be very, um, it's a very solo kind of like an individual thing. You know, I mean, you, you tend to wall off, you tend to, you know, want to be alone and you want to close up. But my, my first thing would be to just talk to somebody. It could be somebody you trust, you know, a member of your support system, even just somebody at work, you know, just make take that one step and just, you know, talk to somebody. And Dr. Hakeem, what would you tell other people's partners or spouses about how to help them when they're going through something like this? Uh, learn how to support your partner. Don't think that you know or don't think that the type of support you need is what they need to. So, you know, so go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I think with support, what I often tell people is that um, it's kind of like the opposite of empathy. You know, with empathy, we're supposed to like imagine how the other person feels based on how we feel. With support, it's like someone might just need to be listened to or need a hug or need, mm-hmm. and, and they might not want their problem solved. And if you're coming in there trying to solve their problems for them and doing what you think is important, and it actually will push them further away. I, I have to bring this up. Um, as being, I, I was with someone with uh, mental illness for over 12 years, or longer, 15 years. So the issue is one, when the person doesn't identify their own mental illness, mm-hmm. you're both nodding on that. I want comments on that. Two, if they're not identifying it, but you kind of identify over many years that there might be something there, uh, and it costs the relationship because they're not willing to admit that there's issues. I have identified, I, I made him go to a doctor and because it was affecting our relationship so much. And I'm like, I know it's this disease and uh, our disorder, sorry. And he's not getting help. He refuses to get help. He just wants uh, recreational drugs because a lot of people turn to that when they have mental illness. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you do when someone doesn't want to admit it and it costs a relationship because their mental illness is inhibiting them from moving forward? So um, if that person is not able to sort of see what they're going through and not open to you pointing out, hey, listen, do you think something's <laughs> going on with this? Um, then they're they're kind of a far off Um, a far off place from changing it themselves and that doesn't mean you have to abandon them or let them go but to some degree um, you have to be able to say listen these are the options out there I want to go with you not there's something wrong with you you go I'm coming with you let's go together no of course not I was like we're going to go to the clinic together which we did Um, medication uh, whatever you want I you know when I learned more about it see because I didn't I thought it was a personality thing but when you learn there's a difference between the attributes of someone with certain mental illness issues right yes versus their personality you kind of lay off like I backed off a lot of stuff because I'm like he it's ADHD he can't do more than one thing at once like he can't if you give him a honeydew list he can't get past the first one and he's freaking out over the other two you know, and I know it sounds frivolous and stupid, but no, 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 no. like when you're in a relationship and there's stuff going on, I did not identify to the person, you've got this and that. I just want to clarify, I did okay. not do that. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, just uh, quickly about ADHD. I mean, it is a mental health issue. It's actually oh, more really? neurologically based. Um, <laughs> so so they can actually pinpoint it through like um, testing but, neurologically. But what, a, what, really, what is ADHD? Is it when you just can't take on certain tasks? Because I can multitask. <laughs> but I, like, I'll, I'll lose my train of thought. I'll be doing something and then somebody will say something. I'll be like, okay, see, I got to go do this. And then I'll be over there and then I'll be like, okay, I got to walk over like there. Right and I now? can't sit uh, in my office. Yeah, yeah, like right now. So I can't sit in my office for like more than, you know, 10 minutes without having to leave and go, you know, attend well, to my a, dog. Or, is that ADHD? Business owner, that's what that is. Not necessarily. Okay. 
Okay. Um, to some degree, maybe. But um, ADHD is it's not always about multitasking. Um, is some people with ADHD can multitask quite well because mm-hmm. they're so fast um, and they can't keep on one thing. But mm-hmm. for others, it's actually quite difficult. Um, Listen, I, I will say there's a, such a variety of different mel- mental health conditions. Okay. ADHD is one of them. You know, anxiety and depression come up a lot, even with people with ADHD. And the bottom line is in relationships. I mean, really, the professionals spend decades training to be able to diagnose, to be able to treat, to be able to do all those sorts of things. And so how is a spouse supposed to figure that out just by living with the person? Mm -hmm. So you do need to go in, you need to get a consultation, somebody needs to be able to actually diagnose something real, and then you get to learn about it. And listen, diagnosis is a tough thing. A lot of people don't want to label, and I respect that because I don't think it's always the best thing. However, if we don't know what it is, we're just shooting in the dark sometimes, and you think it's one thing and maybe it's something else. Interesting. We need to take a break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. The Dating and Relationship Show, AM 640. This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. On Talk Radio, AM 640. I'm here with my real estate friend, Holly Garvey-Penny. What's up with HGP's tips and trends today? Hi, Sandra. Today's tip is update your condo evaluation. Do you know what your condo is worth? Because right now, the condo market is hot. Typically, condos were evaluated every year or two. But with today's hot condo market, if your condo was assessed even three months ago, it's time to have a reassessment. Know what your condo is worth. Call or email me for an evaluation and reassessment. I can help you. So they can reach you at hgp at bosleyrealestate.com or 416-322-8000. Thanks, Sandra. Now, back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio, AM 640. Thanks for tuning in to the Dating and Relationship Show. Uh, Dr. Hakeem is here. She's a psychologist. We're talking about mental health and relationships. And Phil, he's here to talk about his battle with mental illness. And my co-host is Sandra Cruci, and I am Laura Bellata. And Sandra Carusi is taking a look. Phil has a blog, very interesting. It's philismental.com. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sandra found something on his blog mm. that she wants to ask him about. So go ahead. I do, because this show here, Laura, as we yes. know, is more about than relationships between opposite sex or same sex. It's about your friends. Mm-hmm. That's a relationship. Yeah. Right, Doc? Any yeah. kind of relationship. Any kind of relationship. And one of my girlfriends who, she went off, she went dark. I didn't, she didn't get back to me for like weeks and I didn't know what I did. And I was like going through every text and every exchange and what did I say? What did I do? And then I, I just saw this, Phil posted, why I took a break from social media or blocked you or whatever. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, she, she went on later to explain her mental illness to me. So Phil, please tell me about this. Right. So you're um, in technical millennial terms, your friend ghosted you. That's yes, what, she did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she came but back. She came though. back. She came back. Yeah. You know, it happens sometimes. And um, in that particular post, um, I wrote that post a little while ago, maybe a few weeks back. Um, and I, I wrote it kind of from the from the mindset that that social media can be very um, sort of detrimental when you're going through 
some issues, especially when men- with uh, mental health, because of the fact that most people, when they do post on social media, they um they they like to post the good times. So when you scroll through Instagram, mm. Twitter, Facebook, is always look at this. I have look this. I have this perfect yeah. life. I'm having such a great time. But nobody posts. Look what I'm the accomplishing. Exactly. So for somebody that's going through struggles, it's so easy to be like, oh, Laura has a book that's come out. I want to write a book. I wish I was like this. Or Laura hosts this radio show. I wish I could host a radio you, show. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm such a failure at life because this person is. Yeah. So accomplished, and you do you know. know that I am very aware of that, and that I watch what I post, especially on my personal mm-hmm. Facebook page, mm-hmm. not on Instagram so much, mm-hmm. but on my personal page, because I don't want to look like and mm-hmm. seem like that person. Because I do know the struggles that people go through, and right. well, I don't want to be that person. Well, I don't want them to look at me and go, "I'll look at her," and then you know, and then unfriend me. Or no, no, no. What, you could offset it by being vulnerable and telling about your problems in your life. If you really want to go there, if you're really true to what you're saying, because of course I talk about my cancer openly, but I lead a really cool rock and roll life. Yeah, like you I, do. I you do, are a right? rock star. No, well, people <laughs> say to me, no, but I'm with Jim Carrey in one shot and I'm hanging out with these people having drinks. And, you know, some people really resent me for that. But those same people know I have cancer and I'm I'm like struggling for my life every day. I've just happened to choose to make the most out of my life. But I suffer anxiety and depression, too. And I let, and when people tell me you have, you know, they're behind their, their keyboard and talking about all kinds of stuff. So I have to be more vulnerable then. Well, tell them the truth. You don't have a perfect life. No, no. none of us do. But none of exactly. us do, yeah. yeah. And so that was part of the reasoning behind the blog. I'm like, hey, guess what? I'm going to post that I had a good time last week in the club on Facebook. But also here is another look at the life that I live behind mm-hmm. social media. It's not all great. It's not all sunshine and roses. And, you know, read about right. it because it might help you. Dr. Hakeem, this is the last question for you. And uh, other than a counselor, are there any other groups or organizations that you have found helpful for someone facing mental health issues? Sure, yes. In uh, in Canada, we're lucky we have the Canadian Mental Health Association. Yeah. So it's a free organization. There's peer support. There's groups. There's a lot of information and education. Uh, there's also professional organizations like the Ontario Psychological Association, and they kind of um, run for the professionals, but they also give a lot of information and education to the public. Um, hospital-based programs, there's tons. If you mm-hmm. know kind of specifically what's going on and you want to target one of those programs, or I often tell people to go to their family doctor as a starting point, especially if you have a trusting relationship there. And, um, and let them know what's going on and get some feedback. There's also a lot of private practice practitioners like counselors who'll do a free consultation in person or on the phone for like 30 minutes just to let you know as a starter what options might be available. And I have to say something I'm bringing awareness to, cancer patients suffer from severe mental illness that is not addressed. So they're all focused on chemo and the physical part, but you need to go um, get support. And there's tons of support in the hospital. There is. Just use it. Okay, our show has come to an end. Amazing show. Thank you so much, Phil, for coming in, sharing your experiences, Thanks perspectives. And thank you, Dr. Hakeem, for offering your insight uh, you. based on your practice. So if anyone at home is struggling with the topics we covered, I hope you were able to learn from our conversation because I certainly did. <laughs> uh, Dr. Hakeem counsels at the Center for Interpersonal Relationships. Uh, it's The website is cfir.ca. Uh, If you feel that uh, professional help is needed, you can reach out. And then you can reach out to Philip. Uh, His blog is philismental.com. Thanks for tuning in again. And thank you, Sandra Carusi. Ciao for now. See you next week.